Today, I have asked Hugh McElinden to come on and have a chat with us. Hugh is based in Ireland. He's an entrepreneur, a business owner, uh, a man that was also affected financially with the lockdown and COVID. So sit back again, grab a cup of tea, cup of coffee, have a listen, do your due diligence, and we'll talk to you again. Hi guys, a lot of people have been asking me about with the way the world at the moment and how lockdown has affected a lot of people in 2020. And my own belief is that lockdown 2020 for the first six months of last year and actually of all last year, we're going to really feel it uh, financially coming into 2022. And the reason why I say that is we know that the media is hyping up fuel shortages in England. We know that there is a shortage of truck drivers around Europe, but also, you know, with China slowing down, we know that we know that freight coming out of China, which was two thousand for a forty foot container, now has jumped up to twenty thousand, and in some cases twenty seven. And there has been ports and factories that have closed down as well because of that. But those factories and the supply chain could be vehicle parts. So you have a truck or a car that suddenly gets a major problem. That part might be able to come in for a period of time and that delays. We know that there's going to be an issue coming up for Christmas as well. Toys coming from China and everything as well. So everything has a snowball effect. And in saying that, there's a lot of people who were saying, look, if I want to be sovereign, if I want to, I'm worried about my career or I'm worried about the financial situation coming in, what can I do? So there's a couple of things that I've been looking at, and one has been heavy metals, uh, strategic metals, and you'll see that video there as well. The other one as well, which I'm looking at, is to do with foreign exchange, AI, blockchain, and investment. And that's it. If someone wants to sort of get ahead of what's going on in the world, feel that somewhat financially secure so they don't have to rely on state and they can take back their own power and be that person and today i have hugh on hugh is based in northern ireland we're going to have a quick chat about how people can invest and is it the right thing for you what i've noticed you know we all have to do due diligence all i can do is present something to yourself but it's you that has to do the research I've done the research myself and I'm going to be investing in it because I believe it's something that will help me to be financially sovereign as well. Hugh, how are you? Hi, Joe. How's it going? Good. Good. Thanks, for, thanks for having me on the call. It was an interesting yeah. introduction there. It's all about being, being truthful and transparent. And I think that's very important as we, we walk through life. Hugh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Last time when I spoke to you off air, you showed me your book about the banking crisis which yeah i don't know if you listened to the last show we did there with jim miller who spoke about what's going on in the country and everything as well and what we've been lined up to in the banking and how much how many trillions we are in debt as well i haven't had a chance to listen to it yet joe but i think the book the book that you're referring to is is a book that i read many years ago and it's called the history of central banking and the enslavement of mankind and the book was actually published and put together by a guy called Stephen uh, Mitford Goodson 
and Stephen's background is that he's a central banker with the Central Bank of uh, South Africa, and as well as that, a professor in a South African university and all things connected to economics. And it's interesting as well that you talk about precious metals and, and various different things. And my own background is that I've been in business and sales and marketing for over 30 years professionally. Um, I actually worked for one of Ireland's biggest fresh food producers, uh, Dairy Gold Foods, for many years during the 90s. And at the end of the 90s, I stumbled into telecoms as the market was deregulating, got an opportunity to get involved in a part-time project, which actually grew into a full-time income for me. So um, not that that is similar to what I'm doing today. I've always kept my options open when it comes to adding complementary income to my core income, which essentially paid the bills. And I always found that what I did nine to five or in those days, it was like 6.30 in the morning till seven, even paid the conventional bills and the bit of extra uh, work and stuff that I did created somewhat of a lifestyle or helped us change the car that bit quicker or go on a nicer holiday or whatever the case. But back in 2001, I became aware of a terminology some people call it uh, fractional banking, fractional reserve banking. Um, various various different terminologies out of it, but it's effectively how uh, the average person in the street uh, funds the lifestyle of the big central banking systems across the world, and how what's known as bank gearing. And there's so much terminology that the average person in the street can be easily bamboozled. Like, for example, in more recent terms, we call a terminology we were familiar with from 2008, 9 and 10 called quantitative easing. And what does quantitative easing actually mean? Well, it allows the central banking system to go and just create money from thin air. And um, back in 2001, when I first became aware of fractional reserve banking, I was baffled by the idea that currency as it's actually known and not money because it's not physically backed or supported by any physical metal or anything else other than the GDP of the country. So it's a perceived value and not an actual real value. To think that the average person in the street would spend most of their working career working to pay taxes back to a governmental system where the governmental system was giving capital back to a central bank or the international bank of, of settlement and could never catch up with that debt just didn't make sense to me yeah. joe so for the last 20 years uh, i have been a student of that arena i've been studying the law aspects of it i've been doing many different things and I'm involved in groups here both in northern ireland it would called Saber Homes NI and the people there have been working diligently now for the last 12, 13 years to help people to understand their own rights that aren't normally educated to them and their and their rights to inside the court system. Because if you understand the court system as well, Joe, we have the facility within that to stand up for our rights and be sovereign, as you actually call it, and defend, defend our homes and whatever the case. And uh, there's a great organisation that actually led to how we became aware of it here in Northern Ireland. I think in them days, I don't know what it's called these days, but in those days it was called the, the Blank of Ireland. And that was a process of educating people in their financial rights and their financial well-being. And those organisations now have genuinely come to the fore and saved many people's homes, saved their businesses and saved a lot more. And it's more about the understanding of what goes on, Joe. So fun. I would agree with you, Hugh, but I'm also of the mind that I believe the court is always for, you know, to protect political and the establishment. And it's never been really there to protect you and me 
Joe, Joe in the street. And they use the legalese to trick people. And from a sovereign point of view, and not stepping into their arena, because their arena is very rigid. If you understand sovereignty and about no law which is above man or woman, you are very flexible using the right sort of terminology or knowing what to do. And that takes time. You've been doing it for a lot of time as well. You can play in the arena, but you can use your arena as well on it. In those cases, Joe, what's actually happening now is that a lot of the people are going in and defending their own cases with the assistance of lay litigants or mm. uh, what we're now in a position to do both in is happening in Ireland because I know a lot of the people who are doing it. We are using pointed trustees who understand uh, what's the system much better than the average lay person simply down to study. And it actually brings me to another language. It's all about language to some extent today and the word practice. And uh, I'm a practitioner in, in an arena called NLP or Neuro Linguistic Programming, which has been part of my educational process over the last number of years. And I remember at the end of my first course of studies, the guy who was leading the course, the tutor on it said, now you don't know everything. You don't know it all, but you're in a position to go out and start to learn and that's why it's called practice in the same way as you've got an accountancy practice you've got a legal practice you've got a dental practice and what i have come to realize is that particularly if we pick this back to the court situation there are many lay litigants who are going into court today joe who understand the system even better than the barristers that they're coming up because they haven't specifically had to study the arena where these guys have done that study and it's making a, a massive difference. So yes, I want to finish off by saying is that when I came to understand that the average person in the street will be taxed to support the central banking system, that's the bottom line. We're out there, we're working all day, every day, and there is only one major beneficiary of the tax system. And that's not our health service, it's not our education, it's not the roads or anything else. It's a central banking system because today's modern a monetary system does not allow people to keep up into our governments to keep up with national borrowing so therefore the tax burden goes back on the average working person and that's the unfortunately the hamster wheel that we're in so what i'm doing today and what i do with other people is look at alternative ways that can actually step back draw a breath for a moment and remove ourselves from that hamster wheel in terms of other creative ways of helping people stand alone and not be at the mercy of the state all day, every day. And unfortunately, society today has drawn us back in the opposite direction. Looking at what's going on in the world and even the great Roman Empire had its day and collapsed, there's more and more people copping on, <laughs> more and more people seeing the truth. And it's funny that you said about NLP. We did a show there uh, about three weeks ago about NLP to show people how they've been NLP'd in the last two years mm -hmm. with the wording, with the signs, with all the, the stuff being used, you know, not for them, but it's been used against them. Used NLP, I've been using for a long time without even realising before it had a name when we were involved in sales and marketing. But it's nice to see when you show it to people, go, oh, they've been doing this to you. You know, BBC, you've been doing this, or to you've been saying that, whatever it may be. And it's just helping people unlearn or to be more 
wiser and have that more of a lateral thinking about everything and observing everything around them instead of in, in a talk or a sleepwalk environment. We become a, a nation or humanity which we've allowed other people to do our bidding and we've given them we've the keys because we weren't willing to take full responsibility for our own lives. We were, you know, live to lie and don't take responsibility. Saying nothing is consenting. Yeah, and that's well, the truth of it. I'm drawn to something that that I came across many moons ago as a young guy, as a as a young guy growing up in the seventies and the early eighties uh, here in Northern Ireland, when, when we were living through many other challenging times, shall we call it? You know, I remember a local big chain grocery store which has now been bought up by one of the international conglomerates, we might call them. Uh, but I remember in those days, if, nice you, if, if you can call it. <laughs> When you walked into, you remember the big long posters, like the movie size posters people would have had on the walls and the shop used to have this big thing and you flick through it. There was about a hundred different pages and there was loads yes, of Pink Floyd like, on my wall. Pink Floyd was on wall yeah. and Star Wars might have been there, yeah. even Starsky and Hutch or whatever, uh, given away our age here. But I remember one which was very prominent and, and the Vietnam War had probably come to an end, but I'm sure there was another war going on that I wasn't necessarily aware of. And it was of an American GI and like he was being blown to bits almost. He was in that just been blown up mode and the caption above his head was why w-h-y i'm blessed that i have children of my own now who are now growing up and blessed with grandchildren and daddy he asked him to do something why 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 and the question that too many people do not ask today is why why do i have to why do i have to do this why do we and in, only in asking the why do we eventually find out whether or not there's a real answer or whether we're being led up the garden path? Yeah. Questions, question, questions. You can ask questions all day. That's the yeah. beauty of it. But you know, it's asking the right questions yeah. and thinking about questions. Um, people looking to make themselves, as I call it, you know, financially free or independent, independent free, or, you know, being able to take that monkey off their back or whatever as well. So, Tell us a little bit about DFX. DFX is a company that was established in terms of physically trading as a business about 26 months ago in Panama City by a couple of guys. One had extensive experience in conventional business, a lot of experience in the emerging currencies like cryptocurrency and the likes. And the other guy had, had a conventional engineering business, which had led him to export which led him to need to understand the movement in currencies and the, basically the foreign exchange markets. This brought him to the point where he actually became a prolific trader in his own right, understanding that if you know where, how to position yourself, Joe, in the right place as those markets move, it doesn't matter, particularly inside the foreign exchange market because it's so huge. But if you position yourself correctly, whether the markets are moving up or whether the markets are moving down, there is potential to be there and capitalize from those movements. And the big institutions are doing it every day of the week, 24 hours a day, in some cases, seven days a week. Some of the markets never sleep. The markets are always open somewhere. But for most people, and we're looking at a, at a market magnitude here in excess of 6 trillion US dollars every single day. Now, it's easy to be complacent when we hear figures like millions, billions, or trillion. We become numb and immune to them, Joe, simply because 
like you mentioned, whether it's RT or the BBC or Sky News or whatever, every single day we're bombarded with so-called debt figures. And that's another conversation for another day or whatever. But we hear these figures bandied about that we become immune to them. I have been involved in the travel arena as well for the best part of two decades. So it's an industry that I know very well. And pre, pre the so-called COVID crisis, the global travel arena on an annual basis, this is everything connected to travel, all types of flights, long haul, short haul, budget, package holidays, cruise trips, overnight stays in hotels, skis, ski trips, Airbnbs, and Bs, estimated to be worth $8 trillion on an annual basis, which is an incredible sum of capital. But if you consider that the foreign exchange market is doing more in less than 48 hours, in 36 hours, it probably does more business than the global travel arena typically was doing before the COVID crisis, that puts it in some sort of context. So if you understand how to position yourself inside that marketplace, Joe, at right place, right time as the markets are moving, you can capitalize and generate profits. But it's not without risk. It's not an easy place to be. It's not for the faint-hearted. And it usually takes years of study. Even that doesn't guarantee success. Most of the people who privately enter the foreign exchange market usually end up losing everything that goes into it. So it is a case of a market that you've got to be very cautious. And going about nearly a decade ago, I had, I want to say, use the terminology invested because I've been in business quite a bit. So I invest in different businesses all of the time. But I purchased state-of-the-art software. I went to one guru after another. I put a lot of capital into a trading project and tried to trade the markets. And unfortunately, we couldn't make it work. I looked at buying, uh, in those days, uh, the, the bots, as they call them, the trading bots were usually set up. But they needed to understand how to uh, work these bots and how to re-engineer them as the moves were happening in the market. So most people are precluded from that, Joe. My, I have spent the last decade trying to find a place where I could actually get involved in that arena and not have to study and really understand the markets. And that's when I first became aware of CFX was in January of 2020. And initially, I was actually dismissive of it because I didn't stop to take the information on board. And in fact, during January, February, March, and April, and no fewer than four different occasions, did, it, did I actually become aware of it again. And every single time, I just politely said no to it uh, and gave it a wide berth. It wasn't until the end of April that I actually stopped. This is last year, 2020, perhaps in no uncertain circumstances. Because of COVID, I was stuck at home. The government wasn't letting me go anywhere. Anyhow, that I started to re-explore opportunities to replace what I would describe then, Joe, as rapidly dwindling, and in some cases, completely wiped out income, that I really took a proper look at concept and realized the massive potential to engage again in the Forex market without the responsibility necessarily of having to physically trade it. And I should caveat that by saying with a very modest amount of capital. I do know one or two people who trade in foreign exchange and they are, they make a living out of it. Guys have been doing it a very, very long time. Again, I know of people who try to make a quick punt on it and themselves and then stories of the changing borrowed money to do it and ended up being snookered, really snookered. Yeah. But what I like, it is foreign exchange. So you know that it's changing every day and there's trillions invested. But what I really, really liked about this was it was using AI technology as well as part of 
human emotion and blockchain to make those decisions. As we know, AI is making more decisions quickly than any person. But also then there is people who are reading that data, who are acknowledge who are knowledgeable in the foreign exchange that actually then can hit that button and make that advantage for the people that have been involved in it. Am I correct in saying that? Or am I yeah. Right no, no, you're, you're, you're very much correct. And, and actually, you know, for, from, from a lay perspective as well, to understand, you know, most people's, most people's experience of foreign exchange, Joe, has been getting on an airplane and flying out of the country of their birth to go on holidays somewhere, or maybe they emigrate to another country. But you and I live on an island where we actually have a, not just a governmental land border jurisdiction, but we have a financial different jurisdiction as well. And I grew up, you know, when the punts and the pounds were actually what we would have described as a parity of exchange. And that didn't matter whether I was in the Republic of Ireland or in Northern Ireland, I could walk into a shop, whether I'm carrying the old Irish punts or British pounds and exchange it and no one would bat an eyelid. I still recall today, and I don't know the specific date, but I recall one weekend as a youngster at primary school going into a shop on a Sunday morning, having carried a few Irish pounds, maybe back from Donegal for the weekend, because I live in, in Armagh and Throne Border here as well, walking into the shop and refused to accept it, not having a clue why, not understanding that the Irish economy had collapsed, was under incredible pressure. And, and the value, the net purchasing power of the Irish punt had diminished dramatically. Now, the reason that, that I say this is I was too young to understand, but even at that stage, if you had been carrying Irish pounds in any significant quantity or doing business across the border, the only press that would have accepted it would have been the institution, as in the, the financial institution or the big banks. They would have happily taken it off you because, first of all, they were charging you for that. You had a significant loss in purchasing power, but they they had all of the time in the world to sit on it until it started to increase in value and then sell it on the open markets and make even more profits on it, which is what they've been doing for years. Now, we fast forward to today's modern digital economy. The same process is still in place on the foreign exchange trading platforms. The only significant difference is that we're not physically carrying briefcases or shifting it around the way that it once shifted. And that has increased the the speed with which these decisions can be made, Joe. So we take that right up till today. The big difference now is that even in the last couple of decades where traders and trading desks were filled with people actually making those emotional decisions, watching charts, listening to what information was about to break, the AI that's out there today and today's modern artificial intelligence can identify changes and moves in the markets going back, looking at trends, from days old, weeks old, months and even years old that the average pro trader can't even spot and the old electronic bots that were dependent on manual switching to, to identify these has now been wiped out completely with AI and the day of the trader, like everything else, like old production staff and everything else is becoming less and less and less because of artificial intelligence. Emotion is removed. Does it mean that they're successful in every trade? No, still not but they are successful in more trades than they are losing trades. And that's where the big difference is coming. And the use and means of this world don't have to understand all of the do's and don'ts in order to benefit from what's going on. Yeah. And look, there is a little bit of work involved. It's not about just putting money down and then just going, okay, I'm walking away. There's a little bit of a community and people chatting. It's, it's like I've 
if you look at some crypto community, there's people chatting and saying, look at this, and everyone's feeding off everyone else's advice. So that's what a part of this is as well, is it's understanding it. You do have to take, you know, step A, B, C, D, and E. But if you do that and get involved in the community, I gather then you, you know, you can go wherever you want on it. The other, one of the things that you mentioned there as well about the banks, the banks now is, you know, no one makes money with money sitting in a bank. The bank, I get a statement from the bank and I owe them money every year. I don't make anything. It's just, it's just a place where, unfortunately, we need to have this our, our money in so we can buy stuff. It's a profitable for them and they're closing down branches all over rural Ireland as well and ATM. So the banks, I think, are going to be really changing. And, you know, if you have money sitting in it as well, it's it's just dead money. Where if I knew what I knew now about investment when I did in my 20s, it, life would be different because I come from a generation where my mother was save, 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 save. If I had come from a mindset of my parents going, look, save, but invest, you know, there is a bit of risk out there. You have to know when to get in and when to get out. So that greed desire needs to be able to sort of say, okay, I put X amount in, I want to reach this amount and I want to see if we can do it over a period of time. And when it gets that, I need to get out. Because there's some people then, they just they get the greed and want more and more and more past that goal and then they could lose everything. And that's the challenge in it as well. I was going to say, you know, on the island of Ireland here, we've all been affected by particularly, uh, and and the fear factor of what happened in 2008, 9, 10 and 11, you know, is, there's ramification for that that will haunt our generation and have a knock-on effect to the other generations coming through. But equally, there's a whole generation that didn't really still feel that pain, those 20-somethings and whatever, now even even bordering on 30, it, it's not something that, that really affected them, Joe, so they don't fully understand or appreciate it. But what I have come to realise is that what you're saying, I, I read a book many years ago called The Richest Man in Babylon, and it was given to me by a very successful businessman. It's decades old, you know, but it educates people. In fact, there's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the principles of that today, which is modern, is based on what's going on inside that. And it's about getting your capital to work for you at its best. And it isn't working for you at its best. Sitting, allowing, if you understand fractional reserve banking, Every one unit of currency, whether it's euro, whether it's sterling, whether it's dollar or whatever it is, sitting in a financial institution with their fiduciary license, they have the potential to create 10 units of currency against that at an absolute whim. But you're not getting the benefit of that. The average person in the street's not getting the benefit, and I'm not. So what I'm endeavouring to do all of the time, Joe, is to get that capital working for me to its best ability. Yes, we need money to pay the bills and we need capital to put fuel in the car, groceries on the table, pay the mortgage, whatever anyone else is trying to do just to keep up with the game. But if you start to set a bit of it aside and get it to work for you, Joe, and that's what's happening inside the CFX community. We're a community of people where the guys have given us the education, they've given us the system and the methodology to get some of that small, modest amount of capital working for us and let's see where we can take it. Is it the be all and end all? No, but it's certainly one strategy that's definitely working. And to date, Joe, it's helped tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people all over the world uh, bring 
a new level of financial increase to whatever else they, they do that currently pays the bills. You talked about 2006, 2008, the crash. Statistically, the people that are in the 40s, 50s and 60s that went through that, the majority of them have never recovered. And people have to understand that, that an awful lot of people have never recovered. Now, we know that the 2030s didn't go through it, but this is an, is an opportunity for a lot of those people that have never recovered to possibly let them take a punt and, and see where it is. And the other thing as well, when I was doing my due diligence and looking into trading and looking, we, let's use Wall Street. And we know there's a lot of inside trading going on in Wall Street. We've seen that if anyone you know, looks over, over the last couple of couple, the mm -hmm. last year or so. But if you were to give someone a small amount or a large amount into Wall Street, don't forget these people take huge, huge, huge commissions as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people go off, oh, but I you know put X amount in, but, you know, there's commission. You know, there's a commission in everything. Yeah, yeah, there's a commission when you buy a slice of bread or you put petrol in your car or whatever it be, or if you want to trade or your insurance broker, like my life policy, you know, the majority that I pay into that, I know that's, that's commission based, that they're getting whatever it is on it. So I think people have to understand that when you're doing something like this and you're getting involved in through the network and the networking with other people and you see it and introduce yourself to it and understand the steps. It's financially rewarding for them, but it also can be financially rewarding for their friends and for their family as well, if they choose to go that route or not. Yeah. They could just yeah. sit on it and do nothing as well. And do nothing with it. Like every product, Joe, that's ever been manufactured, whether, you know, it's the chair we're sitting on, the devices that we use to communicate with every single day. If someone stopped to think how many how many different people have actually got a turn out of it or made some money on it before it become an end user product, it's incredible. And even take mobile devices for a fact, it's not even, and when you get to it in theory as the end user, it's not the end of someone actually generating profit from it. You know, from whoever supplied them and manufactured the components, to whoever had done the assembly, whoever supplied the packaging, whoever done the distribution, whoever done the warehousing, the retailer, the, the guy who delivers it to your door these days with more and more home delivery. But you can consistently, scores of people have generated people profit from it before it becomes an end user yeah, product. Great. And what, what I have come to realize is I don't particularly care who gets a turn out of whatever it is that I'm doing, as long as ultimately I'm getting value from what it is that I'm doing, whether that's a product that I'm using every single day or whether it's a potential to generate new profits through what's happening inside the currency markets. I'm looking at all of these things. And, and this is really what, what we're about doing now, Joe, is helping people transform and assist them in their financial well-being in, in a mannerism that just working nine to five or, or if you could even get an extra few shifts working, shifts working in a bar, working in, you know, cleaning offices or sweeping streets or cutting grass or doing whatever else you can do in order to the old days of homers, as we used to call them. This is a way of enhancing that, leveraging your time and actually generating some considerable profits that you might not have thought possible beforehand. I, I would agree. And, you know, it's not for everyone, but sometimes when it's not for everyone and you want to see and as a guy you know i like that it's trading currencies i like that it's ai i like that it's blockchain and also then it, it up around around um 
cryptocurrencies as well with oh, oh, yeah over 60 percent of the people that are engaged or that are getting benefit from their involvement in cfx have never shared it with anybody else just keeping it to themselves joe and and very happy with their involvement in it. with involvement in it can it weather a financial crash well if we take a look at what's happened traditionally inside the foreign exchange market throughout history not just through the current turbulence but through the the, the financial crisis of 2008 i think people have that abbreviated into a few terminologies in in my 50 so years on walking this earth and being able to breathe i have lived through that i consciously aware of this is the equivalent of my so-called fourth recession when i first became involved in commerce and working as such at the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s. Anyone who's listened to this call, Joe, might remember in them days where we were in terms of interest rates. Interest rates were at an all-time high. All across Europe, interest rates were ranging anywhere between 17 and 22%. People were losing their homes at a rate that was unbelievable. I, and for that reason, there was there was a financial crisis. Now, I can't speak for outside of Europe, but I remember all across Europe, the nightly news and thinking, what does that mean? Because I didn't have a mortgage, so it wasn't really affecting me. But I can remember the call of the talk about recession. But what I do remember was I was entering a sale, selling environment for the first time. I was selling capital equipment, which was things like photocopiers and fax machines and stuff. And people, because of the recession, businesses were managing both budgets and cutting back on capital equipment spend. And that was my first realization of something called a recession. Then if I fast forward till the so-called dot-com revolution, just a decade later, believe it or not, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, when you just had to put dot-com to whatever, joedalton.com, and people were throwing a fortune at you, hughmacklinden.com or a house.com, and stocks and values were overinflated. Then one day somebody woke up and realized, hold on a minute, this just doesn't stack up. Bang, we had another global crisis. It only took us eight years to reach the financial crisis of 2008. So this is my fourth working recession, Joe, now with what has happened through COVID. But the one thing that I realized in studying the global financial markets is that in every single one of those blips, the Forex market actually grows. And it grows because of the sheer liquidity. And it also grows, I believe, certainly because of this, the big institutional capital typically tied up in governmental bonds and stocks and shares, realize they've little or no chance of enjoying any dividends in the immediate or the foreseeable future. But what they know is this, as long as human beings continue to live, and as long as we have multiple currencies and multiple countries and jurisdictions across the world, and you understand how to position yourself inside that marketplace, there's a potential to generate profits. And in fact, in this current economic climate that we're living in, the markets have grown from the start of 2020, when typically they were doing $5.3 trillion on a daily basis, to well in excess of $6 trillion by the latter part of last year. So you might well ask yourself, how could that be? That's the key reason. And it has continued to prove to be the case, Joe, time and time again. You know, I do believe that we possibly are going to have a financial crash everything but, the evidence you know, is pointing that direction like you know yeah it's if you look what's happened with china you know the, the property development over there they've invested heavily around the world three billion which if 
paid the last one monthly installments that could have an impact right across the world as well so this is why i asked the question i hope that there isn't one but if there is this will help people be that little bit secure in it as well i i believe that what people should be doing joe is looking at ways and opportunities to build their own store of value in themselves their own additional uh, store of wealth and, and not just in one arena but you've got to get an additional source coming from somewhere in order to put yourself in a position to do that because living through today's normal working environment people are literally just getting enough money to survive there is disposable income after 2008 became disposed of it yeah. simply hasn't been there. We're, at the moment, we're also living in a slightly false economy as well, in that people haven't been spending as much simply because they haven't been able to. But when we get through that flush of, of currency that's going to come back into the market, and it probably will, although there's a, except there's a lot of fear and trepidation still out there, but that capital will enter the marketplace sometime sooner rather than later. And that will only represent what I would suggest would be an artificial uh, rise in the economy because the harsh reality is coming down the road. Well, you mentioned there a few times about the media hype around fuel and all the rest, but the reason for that is the reality is they cannot get drivers to fill those roles. And there's many shortages. You talked about components. At the moment, there's lots of areas in China which are going through a lockdown again as well, John. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but I know friends who trade and who are ordering goods out of China done so for many years and there's lots of areas in china are back in a lockdown again and so the knock-on effect we have not yet felt that you know and it's, and it's going to just get worse the other thing that's not being taken into account here in the media aren't talking about is wage inflation what the knock-on effect of wage inflation is going to be is going to be colossal to the average business out there and then that's going to affect you in your pocket when you go back to the grocery till and you want to pay for essential items so the bottom line is looking at ways of increasing your income is not just a luxury anymore it's fast becoming an area that people actually need to sit up pay attention to and embrace so th that actually poses another question because I'm an avid promoter uh, of precious metal as well in terms of I tell people they should have that as part of their overall spread in the yeah, portfolio. And, and I've been saving pre precious metal company as well on that. Too. Yeah, so I have been saving precious metal for, for quite some time. But understanding that precious metal uh, is a hedge against inflation. So when you mentioned, Joe, and, and obviously going around about 2010, there was a significant increase in the, in the value of gold, which pegged back a bit, but didn't come back that far and has continued to trade significantly up there. But the one thing you understand is that a precious metal will always have an equivalent purchasing power leveled out over the years. So it's, a, it's an incredible hedge against inflation. But if you don't have disposable income, how can you get your hands on it? Yeah, you know true. Well, cryptocurrencies I, and what if someone has a large amount go for that for the precious metals if someone has a small amount i think this is a, an opportunity for them to get in a small investment and then learn it and then when they build up that income then use some of that towards precious metal tens as well yeah that's the way I, so i i, I encourage it. people all the time do whatever else they're doing in life if they can create, some people call it a side gig or, or whatever they want to do, but we need to look at multiple streams of income. And the day of just dependent, because there is no dependable jobs out there either anymore. 
you know, no. even the bank itself, for what it's worth, cliche or other words, you thought was a job for life. You know, I remember someone saying to me they got a job in a civil service. It didn't matter what they do. They had a job for life. Even those jobs are changing. Everything's changing. And uh, it's the case now where adding multiple income streams to a core income is what everyone should be doing. And CFX has provided that opportunity for tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people across the world. And it's making a very positive impact from a very modest start. Joe, you know, we're, we're not here to, I'm not here to make and influence people to do anything one way or another. I'm here to share with you today, just because we have had this conversation over the last couple of weeks, that there are opportunities out there and CFX and what's happening with CFX happens to be one of those ways you can do some very modest, humble start that could be financially life transformational. Well, look, guys, there you have it. You know, for me, I'm personally myself, I'm taking a punt on it. I have to be honest with that. I'm a little bit green around the gills. I've done a bit of due diligence. I'm going to be following through on it. And I want to share this with you. So if you look, if you're interested in coming on the journey with myself, there's a little link here. Click on that. Fill out a survey. See what your thoughts are. And um, let's see if we can come, you know, sovereignly independent from what's going on in the world out there. Okay, guys, look. 